Hey you, and a warm welcome to Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. It's five o'clock here in the UK. It's a muggy day, warm but humid, humid as well. Uh, I'm in good fine form, I hope you are too. You can reach me during the programme through richieallen.co.uk. That's the website, that's where you leave a comment. Uncensored, unfiltered, you're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, we're all patched up now, got the fan belt sorted. I'm using Granny's suspenders in lieu of a fan belt. Been tinkering under the hood today, but we'll get there. Have you ever done that? I'd like to hear your most bizarre fixes ever. Have you ever used suspenders for the fan belt or something equally as ridiculous? Anyway, I am Richie Allen. I'll be with you for the next, I don't know, hour, 90 minutes, two hours. Who knows? I don't. Do you? I haven't a clue. And you'll be glad to know that finally it's taken ages and ages and ages. But the reason it has taken ages and ages and ages is because I'm a one-man band who relies on help from, from friends who are very generous with their help and time. But if you've got something to say to the radio show, if you've got a story or some information that would be useful for the programme, you can now again reach me properly through contact. So if you go to richieallen.co.uk, top of the menu bar where it says contact, the contact form is working again. Thanks be to Jeepers. And, and it's important that you might have a story yourself, a personal story that you, you, you might want, you might think is relevant to me. I'm sure it will be. And to our listeners. So that's the way to do it. Reach me at contact. Now, I will be inundated with these. You will appreciate. I won't be able to get back to every single one of them, but I will do my best as I've always done. So that is up and running again. Thanks to my friend and colleague Hayden Hewitt for his assistance there. Okay, BBC this afternoon, this will be relevant to you, although what anyone can do about it is anyone's guess. Uh, The price of petrol saw its biggest daily jump in 17 years yesterday. Uh, Prices rising by more than two pence a litre. So the RAC, which is a motoring group in the UK, said the average cost of filling a typical family car with petrol was now just short of £100. £99.40 yesterday. That might exceed £100 as soon as Thursday tomorrow. Soaring fuel prices, says the BBC, have been driven by the war in Ukraine and moves to reduce Europe's dependence on Russian oil. With uh, food and energy bills also surging, many households are under pressure. The average price of petrol rose to 180.73 pence per litre on Tuesday, the RAC said. Meanwhile, the average price of diesel rose by almost one and a half pence to another record high of 186.57 pence per litre, making the cost of filling a 55-litre family car of £102.61. I noticed this. I got a half tank of diesel for my estate car the other day. The first time I put diesel in it for a while because I don't drive 
often, and when I do, it isn't very far. Uh, it costs just over 45 quid, just over, for just under half a tag. Now, that'll last me forever and a day, you know, weeks anyway. But uh, taxi drivers, people who have no choice but to drive to work, hard times are coming, spoke on Monday about the Irish government's contingency plan to deal with any future shortage of fuel owing to crises like the Ukraine one. Talked about that, didn't I? A listener was very helpful and sent me information on Monday's programme. The Irish have got, um, well, fuel shortage lockdowns planned for people. Yes, and laws that would compel people to keep their cars in the garages or on the driveways on certain days of the week. This is no joke. Okay, alternate driving days to cope with the shortage of fuel and all of that. We'll no doubt be talking about it more as time goes on. I am sure that there will be people listening to this programme who will say, Richie, this is all part of one big plan and these are just little strands of the web. Do you know? These are just little, little junctions or even junctures along the way to dystopia, to the Great Reset, make it difficult for people to travel, make it expensive for them to travel, get them used to the idea of not travelling so much. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on in this programme. At the time is six minutes, by the way, past the hour. Down with that sort of thing. Down, I said. Down. You remember this from several years ago? I can't remember how many years ago, but it was the mid-90s, remember? I just want to get this film business over and done with. F- film? What, what film? Film. <laughs> this blasphemous film. The passion- Ah, blasphemy now. We're talking blasphemy with Bishop Len Brennan. Blasphemous film. The passion of St. Tibulus. Now, His Holiness has banned it. But because of some loophole, the bloody thing is showing on this god for a second dump. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Uh, is it any good, do you know? I don't care if it's any good or not. All I know is that we have to be seen to be making a stand against it. I have been brought back from my holiday in California to sort it out. <laughs> and that's where you and Larry and Mo come in. Uh, what do you mean? Well, I know that normally you wouldn't be able to organise a nun shoot in a nunnery. <laughs> but despite that, it's up to you to make the church's position clear. Make some kind of a protest at the cinema. Even you should be able to manage that. Oh, thanks very much. Listen, this is very serious. Don't make a balls of it, right? I'll be in touch. Your Grace, that, this, this isn't really my area. Nothing is your area, Crilly. You do not have an area, unless it's a kind of a play area with sandcastles and buckets and spades. Now, do what you're told, right? Do what you're told. That was Bishop Len Brennan, overseer of the Craggy Island Catholic Diocese. I've never been able to say that word, let alone spell it. Diocese or diocese? What is it? Answers on a postcard, please. No prizes, of course. Diocesees. Bishop Len Brennan, the fictional Bishop Len Brennan, telling three priests on Craggy Island that they must protest the Passion of St. Tibulus, a film that's been banned by the, by the pontiff himself, because it's blasphemous. Okay? Well, in a clear as dammit example of life imitating art, let me read this from the BBC. It's very BBC-centric, this whatever the bloody hell this is. Cineworld has cancelled all UK screenings of a film. Cineworld has cancelled all UK screenings of a film about the daughter of the Prophet Muhammad after it prompted protests outside some cinemas. 
This has been going on, dear listener, not too far from BBG Towers. Uh, the cinema chain said it made the decision to ensure the safety of our staff and customers. More than 120,000 people have signed a petition for the Lady of Hel- Lady of Heaven. Yes, Lady of Heaven. That's the one. Uh, the film, The Lady of Heaven, to be pulled from UK cinemas. Now, the Bolton Council of Mosques. Never heard of them, but they're in the news. They said the film is blasphemous and sectarian. But Baroness Claire Fox, a House of Lords peer, has said the decision to withdraw the film by Cineworld is disastrous for the arts and dangerous for free speech. While Health Secretary Sajid Javid said he was concerned about the growing cancel culture in the UK. Uh, the film was pulled from the Cineworld chain after reported protests in Bolton, Birmingham and Sheffield. In Bolton, more than 100 people protested outside the cinema, according to Bolton News. In an email to Cineworld, reported by Bolton News, the Bolton Council of Mosques chairman, Asif Patel, said the film was underpinned with a sectarian ideology and misrepresents orthodox historical narratives and disrespects the most esteemed individuals of Islamic history. He says it's underpinned with sectarian ideology, misrepresents orthodox historical narratives and disrespects the most esteemed individuals of Islamic history. And the Muslim news site Five Pillars shared a picture on Twitter of what it said showed 200 Muslims protesting against the film outside a Birmingham branch of Cineworld on Sunday. Eh? Now, LBC Radio's James O'Brien wanted to take this on. He had a British Muslim on, and the British Muslim wants it banned. Have a listen to a little of the exchange here. Who should decide what films I can watch in the UK in 2022, me or you? If it's a movie about my religious beliefs and the religious beliefs of the community, they should decide. But I don't have those beliefs. Okay, well, in that case, you should then at least be known that the movie you're about to watch or you're about to embark on watching is full of historical lies. Well, so, and it's actually so, seen as incitement. So, so, so lots of films are full of historical lies. Now, the guy said it should be seen as incitement to hatred. He said if you're going to go and see the film, you should know that it is full of historical lies and it's incitement to hatred. That's the guy's beef. His beef is that it might... Um, lower, in some people, it might leave them with a lower opinion of Islam and Muslims than they would have otherwise had. That's the point he wants to make, which O'Brien should pick up on. Or, or, or historical misrepresentations. Do you know today there was a gentleman that was found guilty for writing Burn Old Fella after Captain Tom died? He was found guilty for that. That's one individual. That's one individual who's found guilty. Yes, I mean, that might be relevant to some conversations, but it's not relevant to this one. So you, listen, Dilly, you may not have realised this when you rang in, but you're here to tell me that you should decide what films I can watch in the United Kingdom in 2022 because of your beliefs and sensibilities. You must see how ridiculous that is. Does he? Does he see how ridiculous it is? Not necessarily, not at all, actually. Well, let, let, let me help you I'm... out, OK? If, if you get to decide what I can watch because of your beliefs and sensibilities, I get to decide what you can watch because of my beliefs and sensibilities. So I'm going to no, ban I'm... you from watching EastEnders. Not a problem. I wouldn't miss sleep over it. Yeah, you may have missed the point there, Dilly. I'm going to ban you from watching anything ever, which is kind of what the Taliban do, isn't it? 
Well, the states and governments make decisions that the, they want no, to. No, 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 no. The states and governments haven't made any decisions here. You have. No, but you've just given the example that I'm going to ban and, you. And the people protesting have. So you honestly think that you get to decide what I can watch. And you must see how wrong that is, my friend. No, not at all, James. OK, so talk me through why you should get to decide what films I can watch. Yeah, if you'd give the guy a chance, you might give him an answer. Let's have okay, a listen. Because non-Muslims are going to watch Lady of Heaven. But they're probably they, not, to be honest, until you look... That's three seconds. You gave the guy three seconds there to explain why he feels, the guy, Dilly, that the film should be banned. Three seconds you gave him. OK, because non-Muslims are going to watch Lady of Heaven. But they're probably they, not, to be honest, until you lot started protesting about it. You've probably done more marketing for whoever made this film than the best PR company in the country. But just talk me through why you should decide what I can watch. So when non-Muslims go and watch Lady of Heaven, or anyone goes and watches this movie Lady of Heaven, it is filled with historical and religious lies about the faith of Islam. When they watch that movie, they leave. And they will start believing many of those lies, of which the person behind it, Yasser al-Habib, is seen as an insightful hate preacher. But unfortunately, I mean, mate, Shakespeare... He's cut him off again. The guy just gave him the reason. I feel as a Muslim man that the film badly misrepresents what it is to be Muslim, badly misrepresents Islam, and it might leave people who leave it a bit uneducated and maybe inclined to be... You know, to, to, to look unfavourably on Islam. Now, I don't agree with this guy, Dilly, personally. Of course I don't. But um, that's what he wants to say. But, but O'Brien then starts talking about Hollywood films bizarrely. Shakespeare in Love is full of historical inaccuracies. JFK is full of historical inaccuracies. Gladiator. I hope this doesn't come as a major shock. Gladiator, JFK and Shakespeare in Love filled with historical inaccuracies, but not likely to lead the audience to come out of it having a bit of a downer on any individual culture. That's the point, you see. Is O'Brien stupid or is he being willfully obtuse here? It's got to be one or the other. It's got to be black or white in this, in this instance. It's obvious what the guy's saying, right? Is not, an, is, is not a piece of historical, historically accurate uh, cinema. You've got yeah, but who's likely to be offended by the fact that Gladiator isn't historically accurate or Braveheart or... Any other film you might think that was about history. Michael Collins, for example, which takes liberties, serious liberties at times. Um, in the Name of the Father, about the Guildford Four, which takes an unbelievable uh, amount of liberties with what actually, you know, with the truth uh, and grossly exaggerates certain things that did and didn't happen. No, how can you exaggerate something that didn't happen? You know what I mean? It's not likely to lead anyone to come out and be you know, to, to, be, to be frowning on any culture. Plenty of it. Marie Antoinette, 10,000 BC. That, that, there are even charts on the internet about the most historically inaccurate movies of all time. So you can't, you, you simply can't have that as a reason for banning this film, unless you would... That's not the reason he gave, though, you see. He, he said that, he clearly said that people going into the film might come out um, and, and once they've seen the film, they're going to hold stereotypical views about Islam or about Muslims that are not true. And that's not going to be good for Muslims in this country. That's what the guy said. So want to ban, under your own rationale, Dilly, 
You'd be banning mm. Shakespeare in Love. You'd be banning JFK. You'd be banning Gladiator. U571, a film about a German submarine that was commandeered by disguised American submariners as they attempted to capture the Enigma cipher machine in the Second World War. He doesn't stop. Apocalypto in 2006, which is sort of set in a, a, a Mayan Amazonian rainforest. You'd have 300, that rather good film about the Spartans that was released in 2006. You'd be banning 10,000 BC. You'd be banning Marie Antoinette. And he just goes on and on and on and on. There's nothing worse for me as a broadcaster, as a journalist, than, than, than listening to somebody who patently believes, lives and breathes on the idea that he is an intellectual and then demonstrates on a daily basis that he is as far from an intellectual as I am from, I don't know, from, from Nairobi. Absolutely dreadful. I don't agree with the guy, of course, Dilly. I don't think you agree with him either. Uh, that being said, I'm not any more likely to go and see the film about Muhammad's daughter just because this guy doesn't want me to go and see it. You know, they take the low road radio presenters instead of taking the high road, instead of engaging him on what he really means. Because that's kind of interesting. You know, because I'd be saying to him, Dilly, really, you think that I'm not clever enough to determine for myself whether the film I'm watching is trying in somehow, the, whether the narrative is designed to make me think less or to think badly or unkindly of Muslims and Islam. You don't want me to see the film because you don't trust me to be able to differentiate what's on the screen and my experiences of meeting Muslim people in the UK, of which I've had many. I've never met one I didn't like. So there's no need to ban films, is what I would have said. But O'Brien is a dickhead, and that's just the way it is. Nothing should be banned. Do you remember all of the banning of the video nasties? We talked about that lately, because Hayden Hewitt was very prominent in the campaign uh, many years ago to reverse the, 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 the decision reverse decisions to ban certain films. Remember they banned they banned Man Bites Dog here in the UK for a time, didn't they? And way before that, they banned I Spit on Your Grave and they banned Driller Killer and all of those. And all it did really was, was made people who ordinarily wouldn't have given a second thought to it. And in, in that, O'Brien did make a good point to give him some credit. It, it drives you towards, well, I want to see it. I'd like to see it, but um, yeah. Let's have a tune. When we come back, we'll talk about maybe more important matters than films. It's 18 and a half minutes past the hour. Reach me through richieallen.co.uk. Live comment. This is your Richie Allen Show, and it's live from Salford, as it always is. And this is the Mavericks rolling along. Rolling along the Mavericks on the Richie Allen Show. You're listening to your Richie Allen Show on richieallen.co.uk. On richieallen.co.uk, the contact form thing is back up and running and oper operational. Please use it. It's on the right-hand side of the menu bar at the top of the page. Please use it to send me information that's relevant to the programme. Use it if you've got a story that you think we'll be interested in, please don't use it to start a conversation with me because I'll ignore it. I will, because I have too many things to do during the day. Don't take that the wrong way, by the way. I don't have time to be engaging in back and forth with people on your opinions on various events. Share your opinions with me on Comment Live during the show because I'm 
ter- terrifically interested in your opinions right now, but not outside the show, I'm not. I have too much to do. So use the contact form to uh, send me information you think might be of interest. But but more importantly, if you've got something to tell me that you think is interesting and should be covered on the programme. Uh, Craig says the Passion of the Christ was full of historical inaccuracies. I never saw it, Craig. But isn't the Bible up for debate? Isn't the Torah, the Quran, isn't it all up for debate in terms of whether any of it ever happened or not? And by debate, I don't really mean that because I just don't care. I don't. You can't prove a negative. You, you can't prove a positive. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, but, it, but, but it's all up for debate, isn't it? Religious texts, the veracity of the texts, the, the legitimacy, the authenticity of the texts, the stories contained within them. Did they happen? He says it offended lots of Christians, the passion of the Christ, and Mel Gibson's portrayal of the crucifixion was, if I remember rightly, declared anti-Semitic. It was. It was also declared to be brutal. I never saw it, but it's supposed to be very graphic and very realistic. We didn't ban them because we were supposed to be part... Excuse me, we didn't ban them, says Craig, because we were supposed to be past such censorships. Uh, Jenny says there was a play in London a few years ago called Romans in Britain, which was doing very poorly until Mary Whitehouse called for it to be banned. After that, it sold out and its run was extended. I bet you, Jenny, that Mary Whitehouse was a bit of a cute whore. I bet, and th- listen, cute H O O R. I'm not saying the woman was a whore. H O O R doesn't mean whore. She was a cute whore. I bet I, I wouldn't be surprised if Mary wasn't getting backhanders because she was very influential in the media. Mary, me play has bombed. It's disappeared. It stinks, Mary. Nobody's coming to see it. Listen, go and say that it's subversive, will you, Mary? Get on BBC Radio 2 there, will you? And then Mary would take a backhander and then it would be packed out. Jenny, we might be on to something. Excuse me. I have a frog in my throat. As Sven says, driving down to the Isle of Wight 35 years ago in a triumph, in a triumph herald, one late dark evening, uh, the the stalk for the headlights failed and I fixed it by using the metal ring from a keyring. But every time I came to a stop, the headlights would dim to almost no light emitted. Very good. That's a good fix. That beats Granny's suspenders for the fan belt. Which, he says, our Christian religion has been watered down in order not to offend other religions. When do we say enough is enough? Majority of people realise most films are fictitious in parts. This is a democratic country. It isn't, Witchy. The UK isn't a democratic country. It never was and it never will be. And and I think you know that. Monk says O'Brien fails to realise his industry has been choosing what most watch with their censorship rules and cancel culture. Look at all the doctors and scientists that were cancelled these past two years. Him and his colleagues are all hypocrites. Amen, monk. Patricia says if Jews labelled a film anti-Semitic, every movie theatre would immediately remove it. Maybe, Patricia, maybe. You're saying that the Jewish lobby is more powerful than the Islamic or the Muslim lobby in the UK. I think you're right, by the way. I think the Jewish lobby is incredibly powerful in this country. That being said, it did complain about the passion of the Christ. And was it banned? I'm not sure it was. I'm not sure. I do remember reading about the life of Brian being banned in Ireland 
many years ago. It was I was alive, but I was only three or four or five years old when it came out. Silliness. Silliness. The silliest thing, when I look back, when I read about that, to me, and I'm a guy who, while I accept that everything has got complexities, nothing is really black and white, there are shades of grey, while I accept all that and I kind of live my life accepting that and realising how important it is to see that, I also am a pretty simple guy myself. It must have been obvious to anyone who saw the life of Brian that nothing about Jesus Christ was being mocked. At no time in the film was the existence of Jesus Christ and his mission and his message, was it mocked? It wasn't mocked. The film was about a guy living a kind of a parallel life to Jesus, a bit of an idiot called Brian. (laughs) That's all it was. And yet, when you read some of the old newspaper articles from Ireland back in the day, you know, did anybody say at the time, listen, this is actually not about Jesus, this film, at all, really. We see a sermon early on, which is a hilarious scene, where people are so far back they can't hear what he's saying, they're only getting half the bloody message, and it leads to two of them ending up in a fight. <laughs> Paul says, as I developed as a man, I watched everything and I decided what sort of man I wanted to be. Abdel says, it doesn't bother me one bit, but I wonder what our Jewish friends would say if someone made a film glorifying Hitler. Abdel, I take it by your message that you are um, Muslim. Mate, thank you for that. Yes. And again, you know, they, they focus on a couple of hundred guys outside a cinema in Bolt and they focus uh, on, on some people in Birmingham. But the... The, the elephant in the room is is that there are several million, maybe maybe less, Muslims in the country who have no opinion on it, who are not saying ban the film. As Faisal points out, Muslims didn't ban the film, they protested it. That's right, some of them want it banned. Thank you very much for that. Uh, it's richieallen.co.uk, it's Comet Live. Bridget says, once drove to Lapland and back in December after wrapping a Heinz baked bean can around the exhaust to block a hole. Not that impressive, but it did last me for over 3,000 miles. That's it. We're closing the the lines, Bridget. (laughs) That takes the blue ribbon, that. Driving to and from Lapland. Wow. And using a Heinz baked bean can around the exhaust to block up a hole to keep her moving forward. Fantastic. It is time for more of what? What have we got now? Speaking of the Health Secretary, uh, Sajid Javid, we mentioned him earlier on, um, he had something to say, didn't he, on the whole banning of the film or the desire on, on, the, on behalf of some Muslims to ban the film. What did he say? He spoke to Kay Burley. Look, I, I don't know all the details of that, but for what I, I do know, and I heard uh, you know, some of the things that you said about it earlier. Yeah, I, I'm very concerned about the growing cancer culture in, in this country. You know, there's people out there who think they have a right not to be offended. And, and of course, no one has that right. You might not like what someone's got to say, but they've got a right to say it. And we... He's some lying bastard, isn't he, Javid? He, he doesn't mean any of that. Because if you take to the internet and you've got some followers, if you've built up a bit of a following, and you talk about vaccine damage, if you talk about how lockdowns 
were 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 wrong and were more harmful than any mild respiratory infection, Javid will well he'll pretty much demand that you're cancelled and booted off the internet and anywhere else. He will he will see to it that you don't have a forum. He's a lying bastard, is Sajid Javid. We don't have blasphemy laws in this country, I think. Well, we do, because anybody who said anything about the vaccines was treated like a blasphemer. Absolutely ostracised and threatened. You know, especially academics who dared to question the safety of the vaccines. Of course, the vaccines are not safe, by the way. I haven't said that for a while. But I do, from time to time, dip in and out of the VAERS data and of the yellow card reporting data here in the UK. The vaccines are deadly for some people, not for everyone, but they can, you know, they're potentially deadly and they're unnecessary. Javid would have me kicked off the internet. He would have me banned from ever broadcasting again. So he's a hypocritical bastard. That's all he is. and That's all he'll ever be. Anyway, speaking of him, he said to Kay Burley this morning on Sky News that he doesn't agree with the NHS removing the word women from its online guidance about ovarian cancer. Speaking to Sky News, Javid said that common sense and the right language, that's a quote, um, should be used to give people the best possible patient care. Now, the word women doesn't appear in the overview of ovarian cancer on the NHS UK website. Instead, it reads, ovarian cancer affects the two small organs in brackets ovaries that store the eggs needed to make babies. So Javid was indeed on Sky with Ginger Ninja Kay Burley. And this is how it went. We hear Kay first. OK. Now, I'm sure you'll see in this morning's papers that... Uh NHS advice on ovarian cancer on the website has dropped the reference to it affecting women. What it actually says now is ovarian cancer affects the two small organs, ovaries, that store the eggs needed to make babies. Why the change? Why the change? Why have they changed it? What did he say, the health secretary? Well, look, um, I, I haven't seen that particular report, but I have heard of instances like that, and I don't think it's right. You know, you won't be surprised to know that, as the health secretary, I think that your, uh, that your, your sex matters, you know, your biological sex is incredibly important to make sure you get the right treatment, the very best treatment. You've given an example of ovarian cancer. I could equally uh, pick a, a prostate cancer, you know, which, which we know uh, can only happen for those that are biologically male. And so uh, it's important that, that when messaging is, is given to people you know, for cancers, that's a great example that you've picked, that, that words like women and men are used so that people know who you're talking about and, and then we can actually do something about it. Are you going to get the wording changed back then? Busy, good stuff, Kay. Are you going to have the NHS change the wording on the website, Sajid? Well, I, I am looking into this, and you'll know. Look, the what do you mean you're looking into it, you baldy bastard? Oh yeah, I, I'm baldy as well. What do you mean you're looking into it? It's simple. You phone them up and say, "Listen, only women have ovaries. Women, women have ovaries. That's all. Women. <laughs> right. Get rid of the brackets and the commas. Women." should come and have a, uh, an exam. Women. 
There's only women and men. Yes, there, there are many different trusts, and, and I want to listen to why someone might have taken a different approach. I don't just want to assume, but I, I think I've made my views clear on this. Yeah, but it's actually on the NHS website. So, you know, and, and as we both know, as many of our viewers will know, ovarian cancer is a silent killer. Generally, a lot of women don't... It kills a lot of women in their 30s, 40s, 50s because they don't know they've got it until they're at stage four and then there's nothing that can be done about it. When you have confusing wording like that, it's just not going to help. So don't you think... Well, I'm Look, guessing I, from I, what I, you're I, saying... I, I, Go on. Before he answers that, Javid, I have to be honest as well. It is a bit of a stretch, isn't it, to think that women... That's, there's only one type of woman, right? That's the, the human being, the adult human female with the womb... You know, the, the the natural womb and the breasts, the natural breasts that you didn't have to take a whole pile of fucking tablets to grow, right? It's a stretch to think that women are so helpless that just because the wording doesn't say women on the website, that women won't realise that they might need to get a check every now and then. You know, let's be honest about it, Sajid. Say, gone. Yeah. Gone. Hey, look, I, I, I agree. And, uh... And also, a few months back, a similar issue came up over cervical uh, cancer, where you know, I saw some, you know, in that case, it was, it was draft uh, literature around getting more uh, women encouraging to come in for smear tests. And, and it was important, uh, of course, it's important to, to talk about women when you're talking about uh, cervical cancer. And, and believe it or not, there are women out there that don't know always that when you're talking about cervixes and things, you're actually talking about women. And, and the I'd love to meet these women. I'd love to meet these women out there, as Javid said, who, when you're talking about cervixes, they don't realise that you mean women. Who are these women, please? And the way you do that is make sure that you're using the right and the sensible words. So okay. I know there's some sensitivity around this language, but we have to... There's no sensitivity! These people make up less than 1% of the population. There should be no sensitivity. These people who believe they were born in the wrong body, let them believe whatever the fuck they want. And when they complain about language and pronouns, here's what you do. Ignore the fuckers. Ignore them. That's how you get rid of morons. I've been doing it my entire life. I've left a trail of muppets and morons and wankers and dipsticks in my wake. Why? I just ignore them. Just ignore them. Go and give a shit, pal. On your bike. That's how you do it. Sajid Javid speaking with Kay Burley. 23 minutes to the top of the air. This is Wednesday's Richie Allen show. Harvey Weinstein has been in the news again today. This um, gropey, sleazy Hollywood producer whose company produced a lot of fairly massive films over the years. He's going to be charged with two counts of indecent assault against a woman in London. Uh, took place in the summer of 1996, allegedly. The CPS here in the UK, the Crown Prosecution Service, has authorised the Metropolitan Police to charge him. He's 70 now, after a review of evidence gathered by uh, the force. He's in jail in America, isn't he? Speaking of Shakespeare and Love, which we mentioned earlier on, he produced that uh, Pulp Fiction as well, All of the Lord of the Rings films and the King's Speech with Colin Farrell. So, Christ, yeah, he produced some pretty massive films. I don't know how long he's locked up in the States. I don't know what his jail term is, what he was handed down. I think it, I think it's pretty much for the rest of his life, is it? I can't remember. If that's the case, what's the fucking point in charging him with stuff? Now, listen, if you've been a victim of anything like that, don't get me wrong there. 
Don't get me wrong there. I don't mean that you shouldn't get justice. Of course I don't mean that. Okay, let's um, let's have another tune. When I come back, more of your comments and we'll talk about something else. The time is uh, 19 minutes to... Is it? No, it isn't, you gimp. It's 21 minutes to the top of the hour. This is All Saints, by the way. I take this today from the soundtrack to The Beach. Speaking of very good films, from when I was in my prime... In my early to mid-twenties, I can't remember. This is Pure Shores on your Richie Allen show. I'm going to have a big drink of water now. Oh yeah, the Covid jabs continue to kill people, to actually kill people that are still having them. Uh, the goons, the cretins, they're still having them. Uh, there's a jabatoire open on Liverpool Street. There are still people going in there. It vexes me. The independent media, and in this country, the Richie Allen show is the only independent, it's the only radio show broadcasting daily, the only one to talk about it. Uh, people are not hearing this uh, because the BBC says... It's a rare example on the BBC where we're allowed to just, you know, say that the person who's saying the anti-vax message is, a, is, is wrong. You know, we're allowed to say that because of the science. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't debate anti-vaxxers. That's the BBC. Never forget that. Okay, it's important. Seven, 16 minutes to the top of the hour. Thank you for your messages. Let me just refresh the page there. I'm going to mention it again. The contact form now on the website is back and it's really good. It's back, it's working. All right. And um, I want you to use it to get in touch with the programme if you've got a story to tell me, if you want access to the show, please use it. Or if there's something very important you think I mightn't have seen, uh, drop it through, send it to me by dropping it onto the contact form there. That's richieallen.co.uk. Alice Cooper, thanks for your message about Andrew uh, Kaufman. I appreciate that. Uh, Chris and Emma says, Richie, do you think if people stopped buying fuel en masse and refused to pay their gas and electric bills, it would make a difference? How do we unite people after the past two and a half years? Chris and Emma, you're talking about non-violent civil disobedience, which is something I believe in, in my heart of hearts. I saw it in action, Chris and Emma. With my own eyes, I was born and bred and raised in Ballybeg in Waterford City. I'm very proud of it. Why are you proud of where you were? Because I was surrounded by wonderful people there. And it did me the power of good growing up in that community, in St. Saviour's uh, National School. And many, many, many years ago, local governments started sending people around to switch off people's water supply. Water rates was a big deal. The introduction of water rates, double taxation, triple taxation. And people didn't like it and they stood up against it. So goons were sent around to communities in vans to obviously get out of the van with some big old tools, um, open the ground by removing, you know, these kind of shores. What do you call them? Manhole covers? Manhole covers. We, we used to call them shores for some reason. And to, to stop people's water supply, to cut them off, basically. It was a very famous incident many years ago in Ballybeg. I was never more proud of old school socialism. When the bastards that were going around and doing this were surrounded by thousands of people, thousands of people, and kept inside their van for three or four days, if I remember, 
to send a message to every other arsehole that would work for the local authority and take blood money and go and turn people's water supply off. For a long time after that, nobody would come anywhere near Bally Bay and dare to switch off their water. Now it went the other way again because the system kills you by a thousand cuts. It divides and conquers people by other means. And Chris is making a good point. Could that happen again in 2022? Here's where I depress you, and I don't mean to. No, it couldn't happen again in 2022. People don't give a shit about one another in 2022. Now, you'll scream at your radio or your laptop or your tablet, and you'll say I'm wrong. You might do. You might go the extra mile for your neighbour. But you're in the minority. Yes, the answer is yes, if people came together and said no, fuck no, not paying you anymore. Of course it would make a difference. But when it's done in pockets, when it's done in little groups here and there and they're spread out, it's done sporadically, no good whatsoever, they picked them off. But when people come together in great numbers and say we're not having it anymore, it does make a difference. I've seen it with my own eyes. But um, I don't see it happening now. Look at the compliance over the last two years. Look at the compliance now. They're complaining on social media about the fact that food prices are going through the roof in supermarkets. But they're not complaining that the British government is exacerbating the crisis in Ukraine by sending billions of pounds worth of fucking weapons to Ukraine. No. And even if they they did stop and contemplate that, what are they likely to do about it? Nothing. People have become fat, lazy, selfish, narcissistic, me, 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 me. They don't think in the collective. They think in terms of selfish individualism. How is this impacting on me? Me, me, but what about everybody else? It's not just impacting on you, pal. It's hitting everybody. That's where we're short at the moment, I would argue. Disagree with me? Feel free, drop a message to richieallen.co.uk. I might be wrong. I have been known to be wrong many times, but I don't see it. The non-violent civil disobedience to bring these bastards to their knees with their vaccine mandates and their great reset and their, 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 uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Social crediting system would collapse if people said no in great numbers. But human beings are the most selfish creatures on planet Earth and are becoming increasingly so. This is the narcissistic generation. And it's not just confined that problem to the generations behind us. No, I see it in my own peer group in my own age group, the obsession with the self and the image of the self and the identity, obsession with it. I see it everywhere. And that's the biggest barrier to us doing anything like what what the great Mark Windows talked about on Monday. That's the barrier. Selfish individualism. Uh, Aaron, or Aaron, I think it's Aaron, says that everyone sees a chat between Brett Weinstein and Neil Oliver after a conference in Bath. I didn't. 
but I've mentioned it. I'm sure it's online. Sean says, great show, Richie. You're too kind, Sean, especially today. I remember when Life of Brian was banned in Ireland, listening to the great Gay Bourne radio hour and people writing into him saying, I haven't seen the film, but it should be banned. That's right. Uh, the more things change, the more it stays the same. Up to Dacia and Loch Gorman, he says. Uh, thanks, Richie. You're very welcome, Sean. Thank you, pal. I think we've gone backwards, Sean. I don't like this film. This is selfish individualism. I don't like that it criticises my religion. So ban it. Fuck off. Y- y- you have to live with things you don't like. God knows every single day we're confronted by ideas and ideologies and, and opinions that we don't like. Tough shit, Paddy. Get on with it. Either engage them in debate and explain why you disagree with them or, here we go now, here's the novel concept, Ig fucking northern. I'm Irish. We can put fucking into any word. We can split any word of three or two or four or five syllables. We'll find somehow to put the word fucking in there. Ignore them. He doesn't believe I'm a woman. You're not a woman. But ignore him and continue to wear a dress and sandals and wear a wig and get implants in your tits and take hormone tablets. Do all of that and ignore the guy who doesn't think you're a woman. Just ignore him. That's how it should work. I think it's how it used to work. Am I looking back with rose-tinted spectacles? Was it never like that? Am I imagining some time when things were far rosier in the garden than they actually were? You know? We'll talk about that more in a minute. Rob says, I finally got the dreaded electric bill today. Mine's gone up 100% to £240 a month. Holy Jesus, Rob. He says, I've worked everything out and my bills are now £200 more than I earn. Looks like anal schwab is going to beat me on this one as I'm going to have to get rid of my car now. I'm fucking fuming. These bastards are finally affecting my life. Ignore, I ignore everything they say, but they are getting us on the essentials, says Rob. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, Rob. I can only hope for your sake and for everybody else that's in that situation that there will be a pause button on this madness. That maybe they'll realise, you know, that the kettle is boiling now, the steam is rising out of people's ears and maybe there'll be some respite. Um, And I'm not being naive when I say that. Busy says, how can trans people expect everyone to accept who they are when they can't even do that for themselves. Ants says, where is K when the NHS is changing information of COVID-19 and monkeypox, etc.? It's all a distraction. Richie, have you looked at the Pfizer document dumps? I have, and I talked about them, reported on them. It, it gives the game away. They tried to bury information about injuries. Of course the vaccines are injuring people and killing people. They're not vaccines. They're not even vaccines. And now the same bastards who made the COVID jabs, they've been talking up today their plans to introduce a cancer vaccine using the same mRNA technology. In a just and real world and fair world and good world and, dare I say it, in a godful world, uh, the media would say, "Um, really? But aren't your COVID vaccines killing people? There's no chance of that. Chris asks, how can Java talk about cancel culture? 
He said of people who refused the jab that we were trying to destroy society. He did indeed. That's a direct quote. None of us should forgive the little shit, says Chris. He is garbage. No doubt about that. He is hum- He is excrement in a suit, Sajid Javid. He is waste. Toxic waste in a suit. That's all he is. But then he's surrounded by another 600 plus, 650 in Westminster. Speaking of narcissists. Okay, it's uh, coming up for five minutes to six o'clock. This is Wednesday's Richie Allen Show. A transgender cyclist has said that he was inundated with violent threats after Boris Johnson opposed his participation in women's races. Emily Bridges was due to compete in the National Omnium Championships in April against a field of real women, including Dame Laura Kenny, the five-time Olympic champ. However... Bridges was stopped after a late intervention by British Cycling. Bridges began hormone therapy late last year. Now, a few days after the event, Boris Johnson said, I don't think biological males should be competing in female sporting events. He added, that doesn't mean that I'm not immensely sympathetic to people who want to change gender to transition. Now, Bridges spoke to ITV News yesterday And he said that he had received hate-filled messages, including threats of violence, should he ever compete in a women's race. It's really strange to see probably the most famous man in Britain talking about you and having an opinion on something that he doesn't know anything about, said Bridges. But everything he said was true. I despise Boris Johnson more than Bridges, but everything he said is true. Uh, The Response after that was expected. I had threats of physical violence made against me by complete strangers online. Tough shit, Paddy. Don't read them. They've been threatening me, my house, the property, the place I live. They've been threatening my missus for years. People who don't like the radio show. I just ignore them. That's what you do. Boris Johnson is an idiot, but he knows that you have a penis though, lad, and you shouldn't be competing with women. Apparently bomb threats and stuff, apparently. Right, 50 years since Pride. We're going to talk about that for the crack uh, in a few minutes' time, if you don't mind, because I think it's relevant and I think it's important. Uh, continue to send messages to the website, through the website to the programme. It's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. Asher, we're getting there. Still hanging on in there. We're on two channels. We're sucking diesel and cooking on gas. This is George Harrison. It's your Richie Allen Show. George Harrison, what is life on The Richie Allen Show? It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. Yeah, it's magnificent, all right. Thank you. Alice says the Bible is most likely part of the scam, has kept people controlled for centuries. The elites control everything. It's hard to believe that the Bible would have been allowed to be um, let around, let to be around, unless it's part of their plan. Um, Jenny, though, argues that all religious texts have been changed over the years. Uh, Does anyone else ask, Ian, does anyone else feel like I do, that I'm unsure what offence even feels like? I can't remember ever feeling outraged personally by something, presuming that's what offence means. Does that sound odd? No, it doesn't. No, I don't take offence either. Not when the things I believe to be true are challenged. How could you possibly be offended by someone saying they disagree with you? 
But that's how it is now, sadly. Uh, plenty more of your comments to come. In fact, I'll do them now and then we'll we'll talk a little bit about an interview I heard this morning which interested me about Pride at 50. It's 50 years since the first so-called Pride Parade in the UK. Okay. Okay. Pod says, every girl is boy. You just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual. Boom, boom. Pride is the only deadly sin to have its own month. Boom, boom. Not my joke, says Pod. Thanks very much, Pod, for that. Craig argues that individualism is not the problem, only self-absorbed and weak individualism. The sort of people who used to stand against tyranny were strong individuals who banded together. It could further be argued that we have been conquered with peace. That's Craig. Uh, thank you. Banjo says our local jab centre that popped up on a park and ride site is now moving from a tent to a permanent site in a building. It's basically a shop to push Pfizer's so-called vaccines paid for by the government, which is us, says Banjo. That reminds me of something which if I dial it up very quickly... I'll be able to get it for you here. You know Tobias Elwood, he's a Tory MP, a former army officer, a pure, an absolutely purebred arsehole, if ever there was one. Elwood never saw a country he didn't want to invade. Tobias Elwood. He's uh, been one of those plotters against Boris Johnson. This is Tobias Elwood last year saying that basically every company should have somebody trained to give a jab, just as every company, presumably, has someone trained to administer first aid should Doris the tea lady fall flat on her arse and stop breathing. So everybody's got a first aid officer. Elwood says we should have someone in every company trained to jab the bejesus out of all the other employees. I don't know who wears that fluorescent jacket as the fire evacuation officer in, 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 in you know, Sky's offices. But it's that sort of person that should now be trained to be a vaccinator. In <laughs> a vaccinator. In every business. In every, in every business. Every school, in every charity. We should have walk-in centres that are permanently based for the moment on every high street. Part of our army should be... Permanent, permanently based for the moment. That's an oxymoron if ever I heard it. On every high street. Part of our army should be dedicated as battalions to be trained to... Battalions. Part of the army should be trained. Battalions to give people jobs. Given the variety of support that we've already seen. What a dipstick. What an absolute dipstick, Adel. You dipstick. Absolutely. Tobias Elwood, yeah. There's another way of dealing with that. Fuck off. Absolutely, Brian. Absolutely. God knows what time it is now. Coming up for five minutes past the hour. Now, Mark Bajorski is a wonderful bloke, isn't he? Um, never uh, has, has never failed to support the independent media. He's a huge supporter of this programme. And when he was on the show about eight or nine days ago, he said, Richie, for the next few weeks, those who go to my website and buy an e-book, I will send every penny of it to the Richie Allen Show. And... Uh, He's uh, true to his word. So go to markbyerski.com uh, to find out more about that. Buy an ebook. The proceeds go to the show. But also find him on youtube.com where he has been talking about this. So go to his YouTube channel, uh, Mark Bajerski. That's B A J E R S K I. He explains it. So not only if you buy an ebook will you be supporting the Richie Allen show, but he's got 14 prizes. He's got these beautiful pendants and crystals that um, if you do buy a book, you will also go into a draw. So you buy a book, you support the Richie Allen Show, but 
as an added bonus, you go into a draw, there are 14 prizes. That's markbyersky.com and you'll find the YouTube channel Mark Byersky very, very easily if you, uh, if you go on YouTube. And it's obviously sincere and undying gratitude to Mark for, for doing that. Now, here's a story from the Mirror. This sort of stuff pisses me off and I think I can get away with saying this. And I think I can get away with saying this because of longevity. I've been doing my radio shows now between Spain, between uh, London, between Manchester and now Salford for many, many, many years. My work is out there. It's on Podomatic. It's on iTunes. I think I can safely say this without causing any distress to anybody who might be gay or lesbian or bisexual. Because I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if you're straight. Why would I care? None of my business. If you're a man that goes to bed with a woman or a woman who goes to bed with a man. So equally I couldn't give an arse, no pun intended, as to who uh, you, if you're a man that likes men or women who like women. I'm tired of this shit now. It bugs me because I see it so often in the press and I hear about it so often on national and uh, commercial television and radio. Rainbow 50p coin to mark 50 years of pride movement in UK, released by the Royal Mint. Did you hear that? You did. Uh, the Royal Mint is going to release a rainbow 50p coin to celebrate 50 years of pride. What kind of fuckery is this? Yeah, it's fuckery. So this is a new commemorative coin. 50p coin. What am I fucking doing here? Uh, 50p coin. The coin features five rainbows and the colours of the pride flag on its reverse side. The other side has the traditional image of the queen. Now, it's available to purchase now through the Royal Mint website. It includes gold, silver and, quote, brilliant uncirculated versions. What does that mean? Does it mean brilliant? In terms of the shine? Oh no, yeah. Shiny, uncirculated versions. Yeah, yeah. Ones that won't be sent out to the tills of the nation's shops. Yes, yes, yes. The starting price for a brilliant uncirculated version is a tenner, rising to £2,185 for a gold-proof Piedford coin, or Piedford coin. Can't pronounce it. P-I-E-D-F-O-R-T. What the fuck is a Piedford coin? Do you, do you have any idea? What's a Piedford coin? Do you know? Do you have any idea? No, I don't. Anyway. Who the fuck is PFC William T. Santiago? What's a Piedford coin? Tell me if you know richieallen.co.uk. Who'd pay a tenner for a 50 pence piece? What idiot would do that? Um, what idiot would pay 2,185 quid for one? Five million coins will enter general circulation later this year. It's at this point where you're more likely to find one in your spare change. The design of the coin was the creation of Dominique Holmes. You won't be dying of surprise or you won't be falling down in a, in a faint when I tell you that Dominique is an LGBTQ plus activist. And Dominique is an East London artist. The Mirror hasn't shared Dominique's pronouns, so I don't know if Dominique is he, she, they, them, plus it, fuck, whatever. No idea. 
Dominique said working to the scale of a 50 pence piece was interesting for me as I'm used to working on a larger scale. The main challenge was ensuring that the important messages of protest and visibility could be clearly understood on the coin. <laughs> yeah. I had to keep a 50 pence piece next to me at all times as I worked to keep my sketches in check. Seeing the design and the message of protest and pride on the coin itself was quite moving, said Dominique. Growing up in the 1980s and 1990s in the UK, I never saw this sort of positive LGBTQ plus representation and I feel very proud to have worked on something that celebrates and commemorates such an historic moment for the LGBTQ plus community and the pride movement so publicly. What a load of bollocks that is. Monumental bollocks. Right? Okay. Let's hear a bit more of Kay Burley's radio, uh, television show today, television show. Uh, she spoke to Amelia Abraham, who's a lesbian woman and an author. I would have gotten very excited in my adolescent years when I heard lesbian woman. These days it's meh. Doesn't, you know, titivate me as much as it once did. The lesbian woman, Amelia Abraham, explains why, despite the fact that nobody gives a fiddler's fuck about anyone's sexuality in 2022, why should we have it rammed down our throats every day of the week and twice on Sunday through the media? No pun intended by rammed down our throats, by the way. Let's have a listen to Kate Burley. Kate kicks it off. We're celebrating Pride Month, but around the world, LGBTQ plus people are still suffering discrimination and in some places, even violence. So what sort of things can we all do to help? Well, I want to talk about that in more detail. What can we do about people in other parts of the world who might be discriminated against because of their sexuality? That's an easy answer, Kay. Fuck all is the answer. There's absolutely fuck all we can do. If uh, gay and lesbian people are discriminated against in Russia, which they are, uh, Saudi Arabia, which they are undoubtedly, Pakistan, no doubt, and other parts of the world, it's true. It does happen. That's where you've got a legitimate discrimination story. Not in the UK, not in Ireland, not in France, not in Germany, Belgium, Sweden, Finland, Norway. Denmark couldn't give a shit case. So the answer is nothing. And Amelia Abraham is uh, with us now. Hi, Amelia. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. What can we do to help? There's a number of things we can do to help. I mean, on Pride Month, we should be thinking about how we can be better allies. So one thing we can do is donate to LGBTQ plus charities. No, thanks. No, thanks. Why, 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 why do we have LGBTQ plus charities? Where's the charity in being gay? or lesbian, or trans, or bisexual. Where's the charitable aspect of that? It's just an identity, isn't it? It's just your sexuality. We've all got sexuality, sexual feelings for people. How could it be charitable? Why would you need to have money sent to some organisation? Why, like? That's what Kay should ask, but she doesn't. We can show up at Pride marches and show up... Fuck no, I won't be showing up at Pride marches. Um, it would have been, I, I would have been the first, by the way, and I'm not, I swear to God I'm not virtue signalling, but back in the days, 25, 30, even 40 years ago, when gays might have their heads kicked in because of the fact that they were gay, I'd have certainly gone out and stood alongside gay and lesbian people and said this is not good enough. But that doesn't happen anymore. It's great to be gay these days. Uh, gay and lesbian people are not beaten up for being gay and lesbian. They're not discriminated against for being gay and lesbian. There's just no story here. 
And sadly, these days, if you turn up to pride marches, you are likely, I'm not saying this is the majority now, but to see gay men indulging in disgusting fucking acts in public. Acts which should be confined exclusively to their bedrooms. So I won't be attending any pride marches just to show that I don't have any problems with gay people because I don't have any problems with gay people anyway. Our support, we can boost the visibility of queer issues on the internet. What queer issues? She should jump in again. Bordy should leap in with two feet. What are the issues, Amelia? What are queer issues? Please, a queer issue. I mean, 25 years ago, a queer, what is a queer issue? Again, no no button from Burley. By talking to people in our lives about them. And I think um, one thing we can do on a kind of interpersonal basis is just not make assumptions about people and create a lot of space for people to talk about. Not make assumptions about people and create space for... This is bullshit. What does any of that even mean? We all make assumptions about people every day of the week. It's human nature to do so. Most of us internalise those assumptions. We, like, we don't go around broadcasting them, shouting our assumptions around. It's natural, it's human nature to make assumptions based on your initial, first glance, your initial meeting. It's, it's, it's normal. And that's for creating spaces for people to talk about what. Why do we need to create space for someone to talk about their sexuality? I don't give a fuck. And nor does anybody I know give a fuck. It couldn't be any more boring to me. Not interested. I'm only interested in your intellect. Are you witty, chatty? Are you charming? Can you hold a conversation? Can you hold a fucking pint? When it's your turn to go to the bar, how quick do you go to the bar and return with my drink? Are you nice? Do you listen to people? Or are you the sort of person who sits and hogs the conversation? Me, 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 me. Well, well, I did this. And, and when I did that, that's all I'm interested in. Are you nice? Don't give a shit about your sexuality, love. Who they are. Let them come out to us. Let them come out. To, again, again, there's no need for anyone to come out to anyone in 2022. There is no need to come out and broadcast that you're gay. Nobody cares. Nobody goes around wondering if somebody is gay or straight. Nobody cares. Doesn't enter my head when I meet somebody. It might have done years ago when meeting people who are campus knickers, campus Christmas. You know the Alan Carr types. Christ, could you imagine being stuck in a fucking room with Alan Carr or Graham Norton for more than 20 minutes? I'd slit me wrists because I hate screaming queens. That's hate speech for you. I don't hate them. I don't want them to die. But I can't stand them. I got stuck with one years ago. I did some work when I was at Salford University. I worked for Direct Line answering telephones and selling people car insurance. You know, it's a sort of shit job you do when you're at uni. And I was sat with a guy called Brian who couldn't be any more fucking camp if, if, if I don't know, can't finish that sentence, it'll get me into trouble. I couldn't bear the guy. Ah, Christ. Does Kay get stuck into any of this crap at all, do you, Kay? We've come very far in 50 years. I've just been interviewing some of the people who were on the original Pride March in 19... I'm playing the wrong clip there. Does Kay get stuck into this at all? Um, when it comes to the norm, what needs to happen in order to reach the norm for people uh, in the community? Yeah, I think a fundamental thing is 
feeling safe on the street in Britain. So one of the reasons we decided to create the book was a statistic... We can do better than this. We can do better than this. I brought it with me to distract from my boring outfit today because it's very nice and bright. <laughs> um, no, your, your outfit isn't too bad. It's, it's what's coming out of your mouth that's absolutely mind-numbingly fucking boring. You want to feel safe on the streets. Let's have some stats then. Let's let, let's let's hear about how gay men and women are being routinely attacked on the streets of the UK because they're not. They're just not. One of the reasons we decided to create the book was a statistic that came out in 2018 that said two out of three LGBTQ plus people in Britain don't feel safe holding hands with their partner on the street. That's their problem, isn't it? If they don't feel safe holding... Because, again, there is nothing statistically that would lead you to understand why a gay person might decide not to hold hands with his or her partner. There are no statistics, even though she's going to tell some lies now about statistics, but I've got the real stats. Um, gay people are not being targeted, not being attacked, not being... Um, abused verbally or otherwise, just not happening. That being said, you'll find isolated examples of everything. You know, I guarantee you that I could walk down uh, Market Street at two or three o'clock in the morning on Saturday. I could go to Oxford Road towards the bus stop. And because I am a very tall, gangly, baldy Irish guy, somebody's going to make some wisecrack about my appearance. It's 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 a given. It doesn't matter, though, does it? In public, in Britain, um, and that really worried so me. So they don't. They're, they're not com comfortable holding. They're not hands. comfortable. Unbelievable. Yeah, really? and unbelievable. Says Kay. And and I think feel like they feel what what would happen? They would be jeered at, or they th well, even violence. And actually, yeah. since we've been creating the book, another statistic has come out, which which says that in the last four years, hate crime against LGBTQ plus people in Britain has doubled. Bullshit. What she's done there is she's tried to juxtapose real violence with hate crime reports. Um, very clever of this young lesbian woman to say, um, violence even, in the last couple of years, we've had a new statistics that shows that hate crime against gay people, but, but hate crime is not violence. It isn't. Uh, there, there may have been an increase, a slight increase in reporting, uh, reporting by gay people to the police that somebody said something to them about their sexuality, but that's about the size of it. Violence against gay people has been on the decline, it's been on the decrease ever since the early 1980s. It's virtually non-existent. Every now and then something will happen. And because it's so rare... The media makes a big deal of it. There was a young gay couple, a young lesbian couple, on a bus uh, on the top on the top level of a double-decker bus about three years ago in the UK, in London. And they were targeted by a group of dickheads who filmed them and harassed them and asked them would they put on a, a kissing show for them and then punched them. An abhorrent thing for sure and dreadful and the bastards were eventually caught. But so rare is that. The media went to town on it, made a big deal of it, made out like it's the norm. It isn't the norm. Gays and lesbians are about the safest people in the UK there are today. So it's all bullshit. Listen to what she says at the end of this. Um, so that's really worrying. So I think, I think to reach the norm, we need to get to a place where we feel like LGBTQ plus people can just walk down the street in England and feel safe. And it's not about whether something will actually happen. It's about feeling that it could. Do you hear that? That's so telling that. That's so telling. It's not whether or not it will actually happen or not. It's about feeling safe. Listen. We need to get to a place where we feel like 
LGBTQ plus people can just walk down the street in England and feel safe. And it's not about whether something will actually happen. It's about feeling that it could. Wow. So it's not about whether something is going to happen. It's gay people feel that it could happen. So what do you want us to do, Amelia? I'll tell you what they want you to do. I've seen this online. She didn't say this today. I'm not going to lie. I never do. But um, they want people effectively to signal, either through wearing a pin or a badge or even an armband. You know the way football players wear armbands? The captain wears an armband to signal or to signify that he or she is the captain. They're suggesting that you wear something on your person when you're out and about to signal that you support gay people. Silence is violence. It's not good enough just to keep your mouth shut and keep your thoughts to yourself. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, jackets, pins, rainbow pins to assuage them of their fears. That's what they want, you see, these fucking lunatics. Lunatics. And I know gay people. They're all my age or older and they are appalled by this. You know what those gay people are? They are the silent majority. Nobody in the media goes to them and says, what do you think of all of this? Because I'm pretty sure, and maybe it's wrong of me now, to speak on behalf of people. Maybe I should invite them on the show. Indeed I will. But I would imagine, I would bet my last few quid on it, that they would say, Richie, this is absolutely fucking garbage. Jesus, we had problems in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, when you couldn't be in a relationship with somebody. You couldn't live with your lover for fear of what happened to you. That was proper discrimination. That was life-changing stuff, that, for gay and lesbian people, particularly gay men, who had to live sometimes in fear for their lives. And that was in the UK, that was in Ireland, that was in Germany, in France, and in Spain. Those days are long gone. And they could never come back. They don't want to hear from these people who say, what the fuck are they talking about? We know, we, we need to talk about queer issues. What is a queer issue? What? You can't ask the question. People like Kay Burley are shit scared of challenging these people. I'd love, I'd fucking love it. I'll keep going to bed and praying to Daddy Christmas and Jesus and the Tooth Fairy that eventually things will revert to some normality. And just for the hell of it, I'll get to speak to some of these people, not to insult them, to degrade them or to denigrate them, but to just ask them a fucking challenging question or two. Do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing in it? Green Day, Green Day and Basket Case on the Richie Allen Show, Wednesday's programme, the 8th of June. Bente, bente dos. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. Go to markbyersky.com. If you buy an e-book, you'll be supporting the Richie Allen Show. You'll also go into a draw. You might win one of 14 beautiful pendants or crystals. Thanks again to Mark Boyersky for doing that. It's been a mad 48 hours for me. I'm buzzing a bit. Mad, mad work, mad stuff going on work-wise. But we'll get there in the end. 
We have to make a change in the next few weeks. We have to do a change of equipment here in the studio. Could have done or kind of hope to do it today or tomorrow. But uh, my engineer has been travelling in the United States of America. Lucky boy. And by all accounts, he's been enjoying himself as Mr. Ripley. Lucky boy. David says, in the case of the lesbians on the bus, the media went to town on the hate crime aspect, but not the assailants, because they were black school-age boys, little gangsters, says David, so they were protected species. Isabel says, if you believe that thoughts create as I do, well then, the lesbian women have no chance. Uh, or that lesbian woman has no chance, the one speaking with Kay. I think you are going, if you think you are going to be attacked, uh, you, you can be sure you will be, says Isabel. It's all about energy. Negative attracts negative. That's very well put, Isabel. Thank you. Billy says, violent crime against alphabet people has doubled. Last year there was one incident. This year it's two. Thank you, Billy. Colin says, Virtue signalling Ireland are playing Ukraine tonight in the football. That's definitely one to be giving a miss. I couldn't watch Ireland anyway, under Stephen Kenny. What do you have to do to get fired? Stephen Kenny. These people are lunatics, These like this lesbian woman. Do you remember a clip we played on the show last week? A woman who won Bake Off, Nadia Begum, presumably a, an Asian woman, Nadia Begum. She must be. There's a million Begums, like Patels. It's like Patels. It's a popular name, Begum. This woman, who I presume is from a Islamic background, but born and bred in the UK, Nadia Begum, um, she was complaining despite the fact that she's had unprecedented success in the mainstream media and that her colour or the colour of her skin and her name and her religion has been absolutely no fucking barrier whatsoever to her progressing and doing well. You know, she's apparently able to bake a mean cake like she makes a good hot cross bun, you know, and that has propelled her to some sort of fucking Z list celebrity but she went on a BBC podcast and if you think of what the lesbian woman said a few minutes ago listen to this bullshit again because this is everywhere um to date I have never been in a situation where I felt completely comfortable she's never been completely comfortable now in any situation to date you know because I'm constantly pushing myself out of my comfort zone and saying well this is what I'd like to be doing whether it's an open university degree whether it's a job interview I'm always pushing myself and never have I walked into a room and felt like oh this feels like an equal room this feels like a room where everybody is represented imagine that she's never walked into a room and felt that the room is equal or that everyone is represented in that room imagine you'd never walk into a room would you You'd never walk into any room if you had that attitude. You open the door, you walk in, oh, fucking hell. Doesn't look there's any Sikhs here. Oh, fuck that, I'm off. Um, and I make excuses for that. I'm like, well, that's okay, you know, but no more excuses. Like, no more excuses. We have to stop making excuses, and that is part of the problem. And, you know, I stepped into this industry, whether it's television or publishing. If she was a bar of chocolate, she'd have eaten herself years ago. Both of which I have stepped into meetings, into rooms, into, um, you know, into situations, whether it's festivals, you name it. And I never, ever felt like I always stuck out like a sore thumb. Right. I never, ever felt represented. I always felt like this room doesn't look like me. It doesn't. The room doesn't look like me. She never felt represented. So presumably she didn't feel like she could represent herself. And the room doesn't look like me. And I never, ever felt like. I always stuck out like a sore thumb. 
I never ever felt represented. I always felt like this room doesn't look like me. It doesn't feel like me. It doesn't sound like me. And there was definitely a problem, you know. You know, the, the problem with, with goons like Nadia Begum, and I don't blame her. She is enabled by the media and uh, uh, the abject failure of the nation's comedians to take her and people like her apart bit by bit, piece by piece. Satire is dead. Free, um, totally spontaneous, totally unafraid stand-up comedy is dead. Because I know, I've written a two-hour one-man uh, show about the media which I think is very fucking funny. And I've read it a thousand times and it's still funny. And I take on stuff like this. I'll take it on. But I know there are comedians around the country and around the world who are only dying to take this into their routines and rip it to shreds. But they won't, for they fear they will lose their gigs, their jobs, their little bit of fame, and they'll never be heard or seen from again. That's a terrible thing. Because that is how we got rid of goons like that. Not get rid of horror, but how we rid society of foolish, stupid, selfish, narcissistic ideologies. We took them apart. We held a mirror up to them and laughed out loud at them, as I've done on this programme today and other days. This room doesn't look like me. Imagine it. Imagine it. You know, and the, the the person on the other end of that podcast, the presenter, didn't bat an eyelid. Didn't bat an eyelid. Isabel came back to say this week the author of Boy Erased was the special guest of my company's weekly inclusivity celebration. This was a conference call. His book was made into a movie with Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe a few years after it was published. Remember, she says, I joined the call out of curiosity. The conversation was all about conversion therapy. Does that still exist? Asks Isabel. Well, it doesn't in the UK. They're outlawing. They're trying to outlaw um, conversion therapy to make it illegal for somebody to suggest to, um, to gay men or women that they can heal them of their gayness. Of course, that's a ridiculous concept that you can be cured of being gay. It's fucking preposterous. But most gay people, again, that I've ever known, they couldn't give a shit about people offering conversion therapies. Most gay people I met were the most tolerant people I ever knew and completely tolerated and lived alongside and worked alongside people who might have been religious, who might have been, you know, sincere Christians, who might go to church fairly regularly and, as a result, disapproved of homosexuality. But my gay mates didn't give a shit. They weren't rude. They didn't. They 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 didn't insult uh, the, the 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 Christian people. They didn't challenge them. They didn't demand that they were you know silenced or or, or cancelled or moved to another department. No, no tolerance. Tolerance is an amazing thing. Nobody practices it really. People talk about it or tolerant, but genuine tolerance. I worked with a guy who drove me fucking mad. I said this earlier on. A screaming queen. Did I mock the guy? Laugh at him? No. Did I do it behind his back? A little bit. With my, with my missus. 
Um, did I embarrass him? No. Did I want to be moved away from him? No. Tolerance. Tolerance. A lot of people talk about it. Not many practice it. Hi to David Keane. Hi to Red Green. Uh, hi to Hank. I better move on because uh, look, at the, look at the time. It's already 24 minutes to the top of the air. Can you believe I'm getting away with this? I can't either. But um, there we are. We are where we are. There's a bit of, would you believe it, there's a bit of climate change news. They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams, my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? Right, so that's the little cherub herself, Greta Thunberg, who we haven't heard an awful lot uh, about lately. We haven't heard from of late. Maybe I'm tempting fate there. Maybe she'll be all over the television uh, sometime really soon. A guy called James Skeet from Just Stop Oil. Who the fuck is PFC William T. Santiago? James Skeet. James Skeet from Just Stop Oil. Went uh, lunatic. Went on talk television today to tell Ian Collins, the presenter, that we have 1,000 days to change course or we're all dead. Dead. Like the Mestos. Kills all known germs. Dead. We're dead if we don't change course in 1,000 days. Deader than the dodo. These are mad feckers. These climate change guys from... Just stop oil. Sir David King, Chief Scientific Advisor to multiple UK governments, was saying that we've got um, two to three years to determine the future of humanity. And what, what happens then? I mean, what, what if we miss this, this vital tipping point? Who gives a shit what Sir David King says? You know, if we don't change course in a thousand days, two to three years, we're all dead. Who cares? Anyway, good question by Ian uh, Collins to the climate loony. Um, so what happens then if we don't change course? Um, so at the, at the present time, um, it's looking like we're going to have... Shall I just save us all the time and just do this? No, 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 I'll be professional. I won't do that. I won't do that. I didn't do that, actually. Let's listen. Have, uh, uh, the Arctic ice is going to be gone by around 2035. No, it's not. It's not. The Arctic ice is not going to be gone by 2035, you madman. Um, it looks like um, that we're hitting. We're heading towards a tipping point with, with regards to the Amazon. Um, what, what do you mean exactly? A tipping point with regards to the Amazon? Like what? Once 20% of the Amazon is cut down, uh, the whole thing dies because it's a self-sustaining system. Uh, Once 20% of the Amazon is cut down. The rest of it dies. <laughs> I'll go on then. Go on. No, no, it doesn't. If you cut 20% of the trees down, the other 80% don't die. They just don't. Um, and we've cut, about, cut down about 17%. So basically, we're setting ourselves up. Basically, the world isn't going to... Basically, he loves basically. Jesus, Ian, jump in. ...going to end at that point, but um, it will it, it will set in, in motion a, a critical climate collapse that we have no opportunity to save ourselves. Right, so... <laughs> <laughs> the world won't end at that point, but I love the way he says this. This is beautiful. We've got to cut this in. But um, it, will, it, it will set in, in motion... Set in motion. A, ...a critical climate collapse that we... A critical climate collapse. ...we have no opportunity to save ourselves. Right, so... That we have no opportunity to save ourselves... From. 
So that's the sort of irredeemable point, if you like. We won't be able to, like, right now we can... Jesus Christ, Ian. What's wrong with the presenter? Ask him for the proof. How do you know this, you little madman? How do you know? Can do things, but once we hit that point, we'll no longer be able to. That's correct, yes. So, no, it's not correct. So I'm part of Just Stop Oil. We are demanding... Um, that We're be- demanding. We're, we are Just Stop Oil and we have demands. There'll be no new investment in oil and gas um, in the United Kingdom. The government at the current time are ploughing ahead with 42 new oil developments in the North Sea. And that is counter to what the International Energy Agency are telling us, what the UN are telling us, that any new investment in fossil fuels at this time is a death sentence for you, me and everyone that we care about. And we're demanding a just... Trans- it's not a death sentence if they spend some money on extracting fossil fuels and using them. It's not a death sentence for you and for me. We're not going to die because they drill in the North Sea or somewhere in Texas or because they mine some coal in Northumberland. Northumbria. We're not going to die if they do that. We're just not. There's no evidence to support this nonsense at all. Sufficient for everyone in those industries. Why does, as far as I can see, you might be able to correct me, James, why is there no government anywhere in the world, even think of all the sort of more left-wing governments who might ordinarily be more sympathetic, why is there none of those governments anywhere on the planet who's advocating or agreeing with the seriousness of what you're telling us here? Yeah. Because they're complicit. They're beholden to the same financial interests that are going to kill us all. <laughs> but, but if we're talking about... I mean, we know that governments are capable of doing big things. We just had a lockdown for two and a half years. So they can move into action if they really think there's a, a reason to do so. But even... I always seem to cite Jacinda Ardern in, in New Zealand, who scored a lot of house points over COVID, etc. You might think that... She'd be listening to you guys, and I'm sure there's a, a, a Kiwi version of what you guys are advocating here. He's basically saying, in a kind of a nice way, Jacinda Ardern is as crazy as a box of fucking frogs. We saw that during COVID, but even she doesn't go along with this man. And saying, actually, yeah, that's what we need to do. There's not, not a single government agrees with anything you've said. Right. They do what's profitable, Ian. They, well, why would they, they do that? Like, We're talking about Armageddon here. We're not talking about... People don't care about... about us. They care about propping up the billionaire class. And, like, well, they're more... Be, they don't more really know, do they? There'd be no Sorry, point in on. doing. There'd be no point in them doing that because we're not going to have a planet to live on. So it wouldn't make exactly, any sense. Exactly. But they're more intent in pooping in a gold toilet for a few more years than ensure... They're what? What did he say there? They're more intent than pooping where? It wouldn't make exactly, any sense. Exactly. But they're more intent in pooping in a gold toilet for a few more years than ensuring a livable future for our... Pooping in a gold toilet. For our kids. But there's no one, not a single leader in the world agrees with anything you guys say. Because you're crazy. The entire scientific consensus reinforces what I'm saying here, Ian. Bullshit. Collins should jump right in there now and say, no, no, they don't. There is no scientific consensus on, on any of this. On climate change, number one, but on the idea that we've got a thousand days to change course none but strangely collins doesn't jump in there i mean like you look outside everyone can see what's happening we had three named storms in a week in the united kingdom recently three named storms in a week in the uk recently sure if you wanted proof in there's proof right there for you we had three named storms if they were just storms would have been okay but they were named so that Got to be proof that climate change is real and is going to kill us all. Germany was underwater recently. You, uh, Germany wasn't underwater recently. Germany was not underwater recently. London was underwater recently. We hit. No, London wasn't underwater either. Has he been watching some of these fucking Hollywood blockbuster 
um, films, these disaster films or something, and, and mixing reality with fantasy, has he? 49 degrees C in British Columbia. It's supposed to have a top temperature like 16 degrees. It was 30 degrees above... 49 degrees Celsius in British Columbia, which is supposed to have a top temperature of 16 degrees. That's bullshit. It's not supposed to have a top temperature of 16 degrees. Heat waves happen. They've happened since Moses was in short trousers, boy. Above average in the Arctic, 40 degrees above average in the Antarctic. We're seeing complete civilizational collapse here. Yeah. We're- no, we're not. Yes, says Collins. We're not seeing complete civilization collapse. We're not. And Collins says, yeah. Average in the Arctic, 40 degrees above average in the Antarctic. We're seeing complete civilizational collapse here. Yeah. When you have but every 1,500 years or so, we see that as well, don't we? Before man even existed, we saw no, floods and fires. No, that's not true. That's not true. It is true, you little bastard. It is true. You know, there, there is such a thing as reading. There are libraries. I wonder if any of these goons have ever seen the inside of a library. These records have been kept meticulously. We have ice core measurings and readings and data that has been documented. We know damn well that far more extreme things happened to the Earth's climate long before man shuffled around in his short trousers and his flat cap. Way before the Industrial Revolution and the mining of oil, excuse me, the mining of coal and the drilling for oil, we had extraordinarily crazy things happen to our climate. They grew grapes in Yorkshire. He's a little liar. I don't know why Collins doesn't eviscerate him. That's a complete lie. It kind of is, isn't it? We've had had inclemency and fluctuating weather since the planet was, the planet existed. Yes, the last time that um, carbon emissions reached this point, there was the uh, what was called the fifth mass ex- extinction event on this planet. We're now in the sixth mass extinction. No, we're not. We're not. We're emerging from an ice age. No point in hearing any more of this cretin. There really isn't. We, we, we continue to emerge from the last ice age. Um, the Earth is made up of several gases. Nitrogen, 78%. Oxygen, 21%. Argon, which is 0.93%. And carbon dioxide makes up the princely total of 0.04% of the Earth's atmosphere. Imagine. Why wouldn't Collins put that to, to uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name now. Why wouldn't Collins ask him that? And this is what we mean by mainstream light. Mark Windows and myself were talking about this on Monday. Talk radio and LBC and others are supposed to look like the opposition to the agenda or the opposition to to governments. They're supposed to look like the antidote to this stuff. But they're not really. They enable it. Just by allowing this guy go unchallenged for for much of this exchange. Why didn't Collins say it's 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, some other gases, CO2 is 0.04% and nobody can, with a straight face, tell you how much CO2 humans contribute to the 0.04%. That's the nub of it. That's the crux of the whole thing. 0.04% of the atmosphere is made up of CO2, but nobody has a scooby-doo as to what humans contribute to that overall 0.04%. It's a whopper of a lie. I don't know why they don't put these questions to these goons. I really don't. The time is coming up now to 13 minutes to the top of the hour. What did you make of Matthew McConaughey addressing the media and I suppose most of America, who will have seen the clip by now, from the White House, given permission to do so allegedly by US President Joe Biden? McConaughey 
of course, grew up very close to where that horrible school shooting happened a couple of weeks ago in Texas, in that small uh, town or, or village there. And he's absolutely appalled by it. And he wants to throw, you know, his hat into the ring. If That's a pretty crass um, thing to say. Pretty, it doesn't make much. You, you, know, you know what I mean? He, 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 he's putting his oar in, we might say. He's putting his oar in uh, to the debate about gun control in the United States of America. Um, he broke down, didn't he? And got very emotional talking about how one of the victims was only identifiable because of her footwear. My day wore green high-top converse with a heart she had hand-drawn on the right toe because they represented her love of nature. Camilla's got these shoes. Can you show these shoes, please? Wore these every day. Green converse with a heart on the right toe. These are the same green converse on her feet that turned out to be the only clear evidence that could identify her after the shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's. I know he's an actor and uh, an award-winning actor, but I think his his angst there, his grief, I think was genuine. Uh, it's Uvalde, isn't it? The the town where um, they've been testifying today before a house committee, survivors, and some of the parents have been testifying before a house committee about their experiences, and they've also been asking for. Uh, the US government to do something about it. It takes steps to ensure it doesn't happen again. I came across a former congressman called Sean Duffy speaking to Sky News about this. Excuse me, Fox News. And Fox News, for the first time in history, have been very restrained when reporting on this. Ordinarily, Fox News commentators would be very critical of anyone who calls for gun control. Fox is a conservative station. Uh, you know, the, the the heroes of Fox News, uh, Sean Hannity, and before he was fired, Bill O'Reilly, going back years ago. You know who these guys are. Now it's Judge Janine and all of these other idiots, uh, Tucker Carlson. They, previously and historically, would have gone after anyone who suggested that something needs to be done about guns. But Fox has been very restrained and in fact, they were complimentary to Matthew McConaughey today. And they brought on Sean Duffy, this former congressman. And he didn't uh, criticise McConaughey either. But he did um, say that in his opinion, and I, I'm playing this clip because I know that I have a lot of listeners of faith, whether that's of the Jewish faith or the Christian faith or the, the Islamic faith. Uh, and I know a lot of my listeners are um, they 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 have a very personal faith because I I hear about it on the show and you send me emails and comments and and all of that and this guy Sean Duffy said that kind of turning away from God has got something to do with where we are today in 2022. But you can't legislate something on fatherlessness. You can't, I mean, you can't legislate, you know, getting kids off of social media where they can actually engage with their family members and friends in, in you know, in face-to-face conversations and relationships, but getting them out of, you know, that space. Those things really are important 
but you can't legislate that. But if you want to come together as Americans, and whether you're talking about politics or the health of your kids, the most important thing we do as parents is raise our children, raise them well, be engaged with them. Watch how much time they spend online or in front of their screens to make sure they're actually connecting with people. Because if you're lonely and you're detached and you're depressed, um, bad things happen. Right. It, 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 it does. You, we could all come together as Americans on those solutions, but it's implemented at the family level, making sure we have values. Why not bring faith back in? Right. God was a good thing. Values are a good thing. Morals are a good thing. When you take God out of everything, what's left? There's no morals. There's no values. There's no church. And so what are these kids learning? Absolutely. There's an emptiness there. Yeah. Fill them up right. with great things. It, being an active parent would solve so many. We've taken God out of everything, he said. Does he have a point, those of my listeners who have a personal faith, who have faith in a God, does he have a point that they've taken God out of everything? I know for a fact, as, as an agnostic stroke atheistic person who isn't a Christian, I'm not, I, I don't know about God, but I do know, as somebody who's honest, I've got to be honest and say, I, I have seen through the press, that's the print media, and through the broadcast media, a very unsubtle attack on, certainly on religion, but Christianity for sure, in recent years. And I have no reason to say that, because I'm not a Christian. I've interviewed many Christians over the years, we've talked about this, and I can't fail to have noticed that. You know, a sneering, condescending approach to reporting on faith matters, particularly when it's about Christianity. You know, going after people for speaking about their Christian beliefs. I've seen that um, in, the, in this country. Does he have a point, this guy, Sean Duffy? We might pick this up on a programme next week. We might get into it on uh, one of the phone-ins. I'd like to get into it, to be honest with you. Alex asks a very good question. Has it even been a fortnight and they already have a hearing about it? I'll tell you what else I found a little bit disturbing was a day after the shooting took place. And look, the shooting took place, mercifully for the families of the children. Some of the more idiotic elements of the independent media have not resorted to doing what they always do, which is claim that none of this happened, the whole thing's a hoax. It happened. As far as, you know, it happened. These children were murdered by this guy. Of course, there are a million questions about the guy and what might have happened to him. And of course, only shows like this will, will, will delve into that sort of thing. You know, was the guy a Manchurian candidate? Was he put up to it by, by an outside party? And, and I'm, I'm way down for discussing those things. That's what this show is all about. But he went in there and he did it. I found pretty disturbing the day after. Two of the parents, and they were in no condition to do this, were being interviewed on CBS and they were being interviewed on on CNN. And I thought, how the fuck, how could you do a television interview less than 24 hours after your child was shot dead by a lunatic in a school? I don't get that. I don't understand why they wouldn't refuse. I don't know if social media is playing some part in this phenomenon. What about let the people grieve? There'll be plenty of time in the future to talk about their experiences. What sort of pressure is being brought to bear on them to speak? If there is an agenda to make people terrified of guns, if there is an agenda um, to bring in draconian gun control measures which will impact um, 
law-abiding people who would like to have uh, a gun in, in their houses. Well, are, are the people behind those agendas, you know, pushing very hard for these people, these bereaved people, to be on television, you know, so soon after their child was, was killed? I don't get it. It's very strange. And like Alex said, now, within a fortnight, they're going before Congress or before a committee to talk about it. It's not right, is it? Joan says McConaughey is an actor, end of, implying that she doesn't believe his his grief. I wouldn't be so harsh, Joan. You know, again, shades of grey, context, contextualities. Uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, I get your point. He's an actor. I don't know for sure. Pete says, can you invite that climate nut on your show? I've invited them. I've emailed and tweeted, just stop while Extinction Rebellion, they have refused. Uh, repeatedly to take up my offer of debating me about the merits or otherwise of climate change theories. There are no merits. None. Uh, there is no proof that, that CO2, that man-made CO2 is adding to the heating of uh, the planet and putting the future of the planet at risk. It's absolute bollocks. There's no evidence of it. And uh, I can tell you that Ian Plymer has agreed to come on the radio show. And uh, I have to say, I'm very much looking forward to that. It is time for me to bid you adieu. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this nonsense today. I appreciate your company. Go to markpoyersky.com, buy an ebook. The proceeds will go to the Richie Allen Show. You'll also be in a draw uh, to win one of 14 beautiful prizes. If you want to hear Mark talk about it, go to his YouTube channel, which is Mark Poyersky on YouTube. That's youtube.com forward slash Mark Bajerski. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. I'll speak to you tomorrow at five. Until then, it's bye from me.